everyone, back to your favorite football podcast in the world, internationally known, the Fourth Quarter Comeback. I am your host, Six Pack Pat O'Connor, along with my friend, he is back from the dead, he is the game-picking show missing Jimmy the Greek of Brooklyn, Red Zone Rick. Rick, how you doing today? Welcome back. I'm doing great, Pat, and it's great to be back. I can't wait to get this show started. We got an exciting show for you guys coming up. And I hope you enjoyed the content that we're giving you now. And great content it shall be. We ask you to follow us all on Twitter at ForkUC Show, at Six Pack Pat with a number six, and at Rick Redzone. Rick, first up, we're going to be starting in the NFC. We have the Rams and the Packers. They had one hell of a battle. The Rams ended up pulling it out with 29 27 victory over Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. It wasn't without some controversy in the end, though, when the coaches basically told Ty Montgomery, sit on your ass, don't take the ball out, give Rodgers the shot. He is the man that loves delivering the fourth quarter comeback. Unfortunately, Ty Montgomery wanted to take life into his own hands. He ran the ball out of the end zone, fumbled it with around two minutes left in the game. Obviously, you give the Rams a big chance like that. That's all they were waiting for. They took advantage. They won it. Obviously, Green Bay was not too happy with the decision as they decided to ship Ty Montgomery out at the trade deadline. He is now playing in Baltimore. And obviously, they weren't too happy since he went there for a 2020, not even next year, a 2020 seventh rounder. Rick, what did you think of the game? I thought it was a great game overall. Um, You know, the Packers came to play and they showed everybody that the Rams are beatable. You know, it was kind of like Rocky and Drago, except for Rocky won and the Packers didn't. <laughs> Sorry, Pack. <laughs> but um, it was a great game. You know, Aaron Rodgers showed why he is the best quarterback in the league right now. You know, getting over that, that gimpy knee that he had a couple weeks in a row now. Uh, it's still a little hurt from what I understand, but he looked he looked excellent out there. Rodgers is the real deal. And... He just showed everyone that as long as he's on the field, the Packers have a puncher's chance. At this point, I think if he was walking out with one crutch, I think they'd still have a chance to win half their games. I don't uh, I don't disagree with you, Pat. As our against the spread betting guy, Rick, and someone that owns him as well as I do in fantasy, I know you couldn't have been too happy, especially since you lost to a certain velvet-toned radio personality, Todd Gurley. Had an easy touchdown at the end of the game, and he stopped short. He decided what's right in real life for his team was to take a knee, basically allow himself to get tackled, and end the game on offense, not to give Rodgers any kind of a chance, even though it would have been a two-score game. But that did hurt a lot of people out around the world. This is why I'm so upset. I can't even let you finish because I'm so pissed off about this. All right? Not only did he cost me my fantasy game for the week, but... He also cost me on my betting sheet, all right? I had the Rams, plus seven. They would have scored. I would have won. Money. Todd Gurley, what are you doing? You don't have to stop. You're going to win the game by nine points. They cannot come back. Rodgers is not going to come back from nine points, okay? Why don't you just is run it in? Is there something to be said for you being selfish? Is there something to be said for everyone out there that you saw Earlier in the season, what happened? They lost both of their star cornerbacks. So, 
is it not worth it and is it not smart for the Rams and Gurley to just take the first down, kneel the ball, end the game, rather than going for the touchdown, covering all the spreads, giving the fantasy wins. But it's but not for then, covering the but spreads. Then, but it's then, for covering your ass. Yeah, but is he? But you're covering your ass on the back end by not having your defense have to go out there and actually play hard because you know Rodgers isn't giving up. He's going to be driving down the field. Say, one of their premier defenders, what if Aaron Donald gets his ankle stepped on or rolled up on and he's done? All because Gurley scored a touchdown early. It's a game of inches and it's a rough and tumble sport. You know this, you know people can get injured at any time, and it's happened Listen, many man. times in the past where people Listen, We're talking Am about... I wrong? No, I get you're hurt. Listen, I get a lot of people. It's not even that I'm me. hurt. It's I not even that you. I'm hurt. It's just that dude, why what? What did you stop for? Tell me. Why did you stop? Out of modesty? Because you didn't want to have sixteen or seventeen touchdowns after eight games? What the hell are you doing? Dude, you're breaking records out there. You got a chance to set records that will probably last a very long time. And you're not taking advantage. You only get this opportunity once. This opportunity doesn't just roll around, especially at the running back position. You got a chance to score a touchdown that goes down in your stats. All right, maybe I might sound like I'm being a little greedy now. Just a whole right? lot, actually. Listen, the Rams are 8-0 and and, you know, shoot me. If I want to show that I'm every bit of eight and zero, okay, I'm sorry. But I feel I like that win shows every game. that they're a better coach team too. That that shows up in the coach. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give you that sense. discipline. Discipline. Common sense. All right. Strategy on the field. Okay. Okay. I'll give you that. But there was no need for strategy on the field in that situation in my mind. Well, what was that? that? A minute and a half. That is fine. There you score the enough, touchdown. There was enough time. Come on. Gurley, Gurley should have took it in, okay? I'm sure there's a lot of people that agree with me that Gurley should have just took that in. I'm, and I'm sure they all had him making money for him. We'll see if Gurley can step up next week. We do see that the Rams are not bulletproof, though. They're going to go in. They're 8-0. They're going to go visit the Saints, who are 6-1 and in New Orleans. We're going to see if the Saints can take them down. They've been your number two team before, and they're my number three consistently. Gurley against the best rushing defense in the league. Gurley, he's under 100 yards seven out of eight times he's gone against the top five rushing defense. We're going to see it this Sunday. It's going to be the biggest game of the year, I think. It's definitely going to be a big one, Pat. This is going to be one of the most anticipated games of the season in my mind. You got the Saints coming in 6-1, and one, riding a six-game winning streak. All right, They're the hottest team in the league right now, except for the Rams. This is going to be a barn burner. I think that Drew Brees is going to put up points. I think Jared Goff is going to put up points. And I'm just eager to see who's going to come out on top in the NFC. Uh, they're both on my power rankings. You know I got the Rams number one. Saints have been number two consistently for about three weeks now. Um, I'm just impressed. I'm really impressed with what the Saints have been able to do. The Rams are looking... <laughs> Every bit of a Super Bowl contender. The Rams on defense are looking <laughs> great. You add Dante Fowler in the trade now. Now they're going to get that edge rush that they wanted for a long time, you know, ever since they let uh, Robert Quinn go on to Miami. 
Um, they've been lacking that outside pass rush in my mind. I think they got the interior pass rush all locked up, but they needed somebody on the outside. And here comes Dante Fowler Jr. to, you know, plug that hole for them. The Rams are going to be tough. The Rams are going to be extremely tough. But well, I do I like know. the defenses, and I agree. Both defenses have a lot of premier players on both sides. Absolutely. I did agree with your first statement where it's going to be a barn burner. This is the first time in history, Rick. First time ever two teams are going to play this late in the season when they're both averaging over 33-plus points. Wow. That's an insane amount of points each team is putting <laughs> wow. up consistently. It's going to be a lights-out shootout type of game. You got Breeze. He's 9-2 and two versus top 10 defenses since 2016. So he's going to have to break the rut that Michael Thomas is in. I know it doesn't seem like he's in a huge rut, but his stats have basically been cut in half the last four weeks. His targets, his catches, everything. He's getting cut in half. He's getting minimalized. He's going to have to burn that Rams defense. He's going to get by the Rams secondary, and Kamara and Ingram are going to have to be consistently averaging at least 5-plus and getting in that end zone if the Saints want to win. I think the Saints are the first loss for the Rams this year. And I wouldn't be surprised. Look, no one's picking the Rams to go undefeated here, all right? They're going to lose sometime, I think. <laughs> yeah, you never but know. if they're going to lose at any point in the season, this is one of the chances that they could lose. But so isn't this I, it the wouldn't worst loss me. that they can take? It, it would have been better for them just to take the loss last week, get it out of the way, get their heads right, and hopefully come back readjusted, refocused. Not that they need to focus, but... If they lose this game, this is this is a, a game-changer type of matchup because this could determine home field advantage. Not just home field advantage all the way through the NFC playoffs, but it's showing that the Saints in this building can beat this team. So if they have to come back already having lost in New Orleans, that's a horrible hit to the Rams' psyche. It definitely is, but I'm not going to say, you know, I'd rather lose one game than lose the other. No, you go out there, you try to win all games, obviously, but I can see the Saints beating the Rams. This would not surprise me. I think Drew Brees is, you know, I already said it. He's the top five quarterback in my mind all time. I think that he's incredible on the field and he does the most with the least in my mind. And I think that we're going to see more of the same on Sunday. I think that, like you said, I think the Saints will hand the Rams their first loss. I think Kamara out of the backfield is going to be tough for the Rams to defend. Even if Drew Brees, you know, let's say he can't get his receivers to go. I think that we're going to see a heavy dose of Mark Ingram running the ball. And we're going to see a lot of Kamara out of the backfield. And that's just going to spell doom for the Rams. Doom for the Rams. You heard it here. Gurley. Is Gurley going over 100 yards? I think Gurley gets his 100. Gurley gets 100 yards. Doom for the Rams. Possible. Should be a great one. Next up, Rick, we have some Bortles service going on. Bortles, is he being disserviced by being kept in Jacksonville and not just being let go to another team right now? Is it his fault they are floundering right now? Shit. <laughs> is Bortles being disserviced? By being held in, no, Jacksonville's disservicing themselves by holding Bortles. They should have made a move, all right? You should have got Bortles some kind of competition, at least, to light a fire in his ass, because this is the most inconsistent quarterback in the NFL right now, I think, okay? 
the Jaguars have a win-now defense, and they're not winning now. Do you know why? Because Blake Bortles, he's on and off. Even when he has good games, sometimes they're bad. He threw for 430 against Kansas City with four interceptions. Bortles is not helping the Jaguars. The Jaguars are doing themselves a disservice by keeping Bortles, okay? Not doing Bortles a disservice by keeping him. No, no, no. I don't think Bortles is going to be good anywhere. I think that we've seen the best from Blake Bortles, okay? If it's not RPOs, he's not going to get it done, okay? It's crossers. Oh, I could think I could think of a certain uh, genius quarterback GM out in the great state of Colorado that would love to have a Blake Bortles type under his wing. He'd be really, really quality investment in Denver, I believe. And where'd you get genius from? Was that from the Case Keenum pickup? Oh, yeah, and the Brock Osweiler and the Trevor Simeon <laughs> and the Paxton Lynch and all other garbage quarterback moves by made by John yeah, Elway. Okay. I've already that would just on fall that on this show. You weren't here for that. I had to let my hostility out a little bit. I'm not going to. I'm going to relent on that here. Listen, Bortles is 24 and 45. These idiots in Jacksonville just gave him a $54 million extension. That's going to cost <laughs> them 16 mil in dead cap space next year. When they cut him. It's not if, it's when. He's done in Jacksonville. He's clearly holding him back. They have a lot of problems on the offense. Between Fournette's injuries, Bortles inefficiency, lack of receiving, they let go of Allen Robinson, the one bright spot they really had, and Allen Hearns. I'm not sure what Jacksonville is hoping to accomplish. I'm starting to think they're going to start to run the defense out and start playing two-way ball, a little Ironman football in Jacksonville. Either that or they're trying to get I think the I think the something that they're trying to do is lower the fan base so Shad Khan can move on over to London, the London Jaguars. The merchandising, the the sales, all the the little tie-ins with Jaguar over there, it's perfect. There's a lot more money to be had in London, I believe, and getting rid of Bortles is the first step. Obviously this week they have a buy, but yeah, they brought in some Bortles insurance, as they put it, in Landry Jones. So the fact that they have to buy insurance on their starting quarterback since he has a non-throwing shoulder injury, just not too good. Cody Kessler first, now Landry Jones. They're basically looking at anybody to come in and start off the street over Blake Bortles. They should have made a move. They should have made a move, but they did not. And speaking of making a move, how about famous Jameis, another Florida quarterback that is falling apart at the seams. Jameis Winston, he was benched after a horrible performance with four interceptions against the Bengals. Fitzmagic comes back in, delivers the goods, comes back from 18 down, hits Mike Evans with a game-tying touchdown. Unfortunately, the defense couldn't hold the Bengals out from getting the game-winning field goal. I do believe if Fitzpatrick had the chance in overtime, he would have won it. This is Fitzpatrick's job to keep, at least this year. I agree. Uh, Man, I'm glad that we just spoke about two quarterbacks and turnover machines and none of them was a Jet. (laughs) Well, well, let's not let uh, Sam Darnold off the hook. He also leads the league in interceptions. So let's... let's Hey, he's tied, okay? Tied he's with tied. tied with Jameis Winston. You want to know what the difference is? <laughs> Sam Darnold is a rookie quarterback who's played the whole season. Jameis Winston is a former number one pick that missed the first three games from suspension. 
He missed three games and decided, don't worry, guys, I can catch up. And now he's leading the league in interceptions. Is this what you want in your franchise quarterback? A guy that gets suspended for three games, then comes back and throws the most interceptions. Honestly, what I think about when I think about this situation, first of all, obviously, first and foremost, this is Fitzpatrick's job. Not even to lose, because who are you going to go to? Jameis? Come on. Really? But what I think about the situation is, what the hell is Dirk Cutter doing? Wasn't he supposed to be like Jameis Winston's like quarterback whisperer, the guy that got him to play better, and the guy that most understood him? It's like a bad breakup. Dirk Cutter's doing. The whole system needs to be broken down. I broke this down in the first episode or so where the GM, Cutter, everybody needs to go. They need to clean house from top to bottom, generally, at least quarterback and front office in Tampa Bay. They've got to restart things there. Well, it's not too late. Jameis has 54 interceptions in 49 games. 54 picks in 49 games. He's also got 35 fumbles in there, so that's 89 potential turnovers in 49 games. That's mind-boggling how can that person still be in consideration to be your franchise quarterback the face of your franchise they need to cut bait move along hope for his sake that he can find someone better a real whisperer or whatever the hell you want to say not dirt cutter find someone that can help him rein it in and protect the ball a little bit but i think it's too late i was never a Jameis believer and i'm still not he's got to go Listen, this is who he was in college. He was a turnover machine, all right? People like to call turnover machines gunslingers when they're first-round draft picks, but he was a turnover machine, all right? And at at what point do we all just chalk it up and say, look, this is just who he is, and it's not going to be able to change no matter who's in-house? I believe the realists have. I believe the realists have, and I believe the Jameis apologists are still clinging to that hope. So I think we're in agreement here as far as the Florida quarterbacks go. Brock Osweiler is the golden standard. And and it would be Ryan Tannehill if he wasn't injured. Yeah, oh, good Lord. So, Jameis is out. Mortal Kombat. I think we all have to agree. Jacksonville, finish him. Next up, Rick. In honor of Halloween, it's the spooky season, even though it's just passed. We're going to go with a little bit of trade, trick or treat. We're going to take a look at what all the trades went down after the trade deadline. And we're going to see if they gave a trick or a treat. First up, we have Carlos Hyde going to Jacksonville for a fifth rounder. What do you think of Jacksonville getting Carlos Hyde for a fifth rounder? Trick or a treat? I think this one definitely goes down as a treat. You know, you get Carlos Hyde, who's still young, upcoming running back in the league. You got him to fill in for Fournette right now as Fournette heals up from his injury. It's almost kind of like you don't miss a beat if you didn't have Bortles. But because you have Bortles, defenses are learning to just stack the box and stop their run. So it's not looking too good. But I don't think that was a bad move for the Jaguars. I think that Carlos Hyde is a great running back. And I think that they're going to get what what they need right now. If this becomes a rental to the end of the season, which is looking like it's going to be, then I kind of change my mind and it becomes a trick. You know, you gave up a fifth rounder. Fifth rounders usually don't pan out to be, you know, greats in this league all the time, but you gave up a fifth rounder. It's a draft pick. You could have built something, offensive lineman project or something, defensive lineman project maybe. 
you gave up a pick. So if it becomes a five-month rental, it's a trick. Right now, it's a treat, though. To me, Carlos Hyde, it's a treat, but it's it's candy corn. You know what I mean? It's nothing great. It's He went to Jacksonville for a fifth. Here's the problem. Jacksonville, they've fallen off. I don't see them really being the playoff contender they were hoping to be this year. As you said, he's a potential rental, so Carlos Heidi's really not that great. Why not just stick with Yeldon for now and wait for Fournette to come back rather than giving up any future assets? They can use all those draft picks that they're going to need to use to improve that offense to match the Goliath that sometimes and most of the times is there on defense. Not lately, but they're a defensive team, so... I'm going to go with candy corn on this one. It's barely a treat. Next up, we have the Houston Texans. They got Demarius Thomas for a fourth and a seventh round swap of picks. Rick, Demarius Thomas to the Texans. Trick or treat. This is definitely a treat. You got Demarius Thomas. You're going to pair him up with DeAndre Hopkins. You got Will Fuller when he comes back from injury with a young Deshaun Watson. This is definitely a treat. Houston just stepped up their game immensely, and they're looking like a playoff contender for sure right now. They're going to be tough to beat coming down the stretch. I agree. That's definitely a treat for the Texans. They needed the help. Will Fuller's out. They need somebody opposite of Hopkins out there. Even though Thomas's skill set is different than Fuller, he's not going to stretch the field as much. It just does give another big target to Deshaun Watson, and that's important for the young quarterback to continue to grow. Next up, New York Giants. You got Eli Candy Apple going to the Saints for the 4th and a 2027th, and Snacks Harrison to Detroit for a 5th. Thank you, Giants, for trading the very treat-worthy names in our trick-or-treat trade showdown, but I'm going to have to give the Giants a big old trick. I don't believe the Giants are getting enough in return, for, I don't believe they're realistic enough in their rebuild. I, I don't think, I don't think so they're closer either. than they really are, and that's the problem. That's exactly what the problem. You know what it is, man? When you got you got your roster filled out the way it is filled out, and you're missing the quarterback, it, it almost becomes like panic mode. You know what I mean? And it's a matter of fact, it's already panic mode in New York because the fire sale has started. I think that the Saints got a treat in Eli Apple. You're getting, uh, you know, a first-round corner who has size, who has speed, and has shown flashes of being uh, at least an average NFL cornerback. And you're adding him to that defense that's already got some good names on that defense, and they're playing extremely well right now. So I think that's definitely a treat. I think that the Detroit Lions got a treat right now in snacks. Uh, He's going to stop anyone's run almost single-handedly. When he was on the Jets, we were number one against the run. When he was with the Giants, they were up there, top two against the run. And look what happened this past week. You know, the Giants traded him away. And look, as soon as they traded him away, they give up 150 on the ground. So Yeah, I don't like this for the Giants at all. I love Landon Collins. I believe he would have been a really good asset to trade, and you could have actually gotten huge return for him. Just some other big pieces. If you're realistic that you're not going to be making a deep run in the playoffs over the next couple of years, you need to move on from some of these guys. And I'm not saying trade your whole team, but you need to rebuild faster. You need to get more picks quick to build around your young rookie running yeah, back you're, in Saquon. You're, That's you're your giving up pick, your, so. <clears throat> You're giving up like some of your, your best assets right now for fourths and fifth round picks, that's not going to get it done. 
speaking of not getting it done, a trade that wasn't done for the Eagles. They did not get a corner like I predicted. They did not get LaShawn McCoy like I predicted. But they did go out and get that wide receiver. They got not Devontae Parker. They got Golden Tate for a third round pick. I do like this move. And I am calling it a treat. I am a little hesitant in the se- in the sense that they gave up a third rounder for essentially a wide receiver too. Alshon Jeffrey is definitely the man still. But Golden Tate's going to open that offense up. This is going to help the Eagles compete with Washington for the NFC East title. Rick, what do you think? Golden Tate for a third to the Eagles. I love this move. I love this move because you just added what you needed on offense. You got Jeffrey. Aguilar on the outside to stretch the field. Jeffrey is your possession receiver. And now you just picked up probably one of the best slot receivers in the NFL in Golden Tate. This guy is so tough, and he's going to add that dimension to this offense. This offense is going to be almost like a defense now, if you get what I'm saying. He just comes, and he just punches you in the mouth every single game. He gives you everything he has. And I think that now, with this trade, they have one of the better receiving cores in the NFL. Speaking of one of the better receiving cores in the NFL, neither of these teams will be vying for that title anytime soon. We have the Cowboys trading a first for Amari Cooper. I already talked last week a little bit about how I felt about this trade. To me, for the Cowboys, it's a treat in the sense that they needed a number one receiver. They had to spend the pick. The Eagles were offering a second. Jerry had to swoop in and take Cooper they had to get rid of a first because they believed that they are that they can win the East and make a little bit of a playoff push. So for the Cowboys, I don't hate it. It's not a trick, but it's a pretty light treat. For the Raiders, this is a full-size candy bar, king-size Reese's, fucking sweepstakes on the corner house. Everybody is getting big bowls of candy because for the Raiders to pull off, getting rid of Cooper and his potential future 17 to 18 million dollar unwarranted salary for a first rounder i love this yeah this is definitely a treat for the raiders and in my opinion a trick for the cowboys you're giving up a first round pick first round pick for amari cooper who didn't look good last year it's not looking good this year i just think that there was kind of a stretch you know me being an owner or a gm I'd have let Philly get him for a second-round pick. I would have offered my second-round pick. They choose which second-round pick they wanted, but I would have let Philly get him for a second-round pick because I'm not giving up a first-round pick for someone who's not producing on the field anywhere near what he produced his rookie year. His, uh, last year, he suffered with the drops. This year, is looking bad again with the drops. He's shown flashes here and there, but not enough to warrant a first-round pick in my mind. So... And I'm that's saying why that this is I a treat. am all right with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's definitely a treat for the Raiders. <laughs> definitely. 100% a treat for the Raiders. This is like a Snickers bar and that little annoying hard candy that you get at the bottom of your basket that you never want to eat, but you <laughs> eat when there's nothing left. That's what this is. Trick or treat, Green Bay trades Haha ha Clinton Dix for a fourth rounder to Washington. I think Washington just got a bit better. I'm going to say this is a trick on Green Bay. They are in the hunt. I know Clinton Dix. He did kind of want out of the situation, but to get rid of Clinton Dix for a fourth, I just don't see it as being a great move for the Packers. I think he was valuable to the defense. I hope that the defense and the secondary don't take as big a hit as I think it might. 
especially when you were in contention against the best team in the league last week. You go and make a couple of moves like this. I don't love it. What do you think? Green Bay trading high Clinton Dix to Washington for a fourth trick or treat. I agree with your sentiment 100%. You're in the middle of a playoff race. You need all the help you can get. The NFC North is extremely strong this year. And you go away and trade one of your best defensive players for a fourth round pick. I hope you got somebody coming off that bench that's going to be pretty good because that's exactly what HaHa was. He was really, really good, okay? Um, I know, like you said, he expressed sentiment of wanting to get out of there, but they always say, you know, the NFL is a business, and me thinking on the business side, I'm not giving up someone that is going to play an important role in my run right now, and it didn't look like his attitude was affecting his play on the field. I would have stuck with HaHa. I think it's definitely a trick on Green Bay. I think they dropped the ball on this one. All right, last one, trick or treat. Dante Fowler goes to the Rams for a third and a 2025th. Might be a little controversial here. I know you were talking about him earlier. I'm going to go trick. I think the Rams got tricked on this one. I think Fowler, he just hasn't produced that spectacularly. I believe he has somewhere around 14 sacks in two and a half seasons, something like that. I don't love Dante Fowler's production. And it's not like he's played on a bum line. And now he's going to the Rams and, oh, well, he's on this great line next to Donald and Sue. So, of course, he's going to get it. He's played on a pretty fucking good defense. So, he had injuries initially in his first year. I don't love giving up a third and a fifth. To me, this is the Rams saying, win now. We want to be raising a banner and raising that Super Bowl trophy when we open that L.A. stadium. So the Rams, they want to win a Super Bowl immediately. They don't care if because if Fowler produces like they want him to, they're not going to be able to afford him going forward. So I don't love Fowler going to the Rams for a third and a fifth. It seems like a little bit too much compensation there for someone that's underperformed. I don't love the fit. It's just not great to me. It must be because we're older in age, Pat, because I'm going to go ahead and agree with you again. When I know for a lifetime, I've never agreed with you. This is the second time in a row I'm going to agree with you here. Oh, you get older, you start realizing how wrong you've been your entire life. You know, that's all right. That's come to the senses. I've got the answers here. Trick or treat and Rick is the trick. All right. I have your fourth quarter comeback fantasy buy and sell here first off we've got ty montgomery stash him if you have to because he just got traded to baltimore and even though they have buck allen and alex collins they do have some lingering injury issues they like to run the ball lamar jackson he is a good wildcat option but ty montgomery he's a gamer and he can find his way into that lineup might find some fantasy relevancy relevancy down the stretch so stash ty montgomery if he can in Detroit, I've touted him before, but I'm going to say it again. Carry on Johnson, and for deep bench leagues and a little bit and and deeper team leagues, we have Theo Riddick coming back off injury. Carry on Johnson and Theo Riddick both receiving backs, and Carry on Johnson finding his way to be more of a workhorse back actually in Detroit. Both of these guys are going to be the big beneficiaries of Golden Tate going to Philly. It's not going to be Marvin Jones. It's not going to be Kenny Galladay because Golden Tate was catching most of his balls within around six yards down the field. That's running back territory. So look for Theo Riddick. Look for on Johnson to be hitting the flats, hitting those quick curls, and getting those wheel routes, taking him to the end zone. 
I like Carriana, like Theo Riddick. Do what you can to buy them. Next up, we have Jack Doyle, tight end, Indianapolis. He came back off of the injury, and while some people thought Eric Ebron was going to fight him off because he was having a good report for a week or two with Andrew Luck, Jack Doyle has reclaimed his throne as the tight end of choice in Indianapolis. Andrew Luck is a beast at throwing the ball. He's going to hit his tight ends in the end zone early and often. Jack Doyle is the guy. Put him in. You should have him at least as your backup tight end, but in a lot of instances, he should be your starter. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns to close out the year. Lastly, we have a pair of rookie wide receivers. We have Cortland Sutton and Christian Kirk. I like them both. I actually like Christian Kirk a lot more. I like him coming out of the draft, and I just like him being opposite of Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. Rosen is finally going to start getting some kind of rapport going with these receivers. The schedule gets a lot nicer for the running game, so that's going to open it up. People are going to try to stack the box a little bit more against David Johnson because he's going to be putting up some more numbers. So watch Christian Kirk elevate himself into potential flex wide receiver two territory, at least spot starting him. Cortland Sutton, he's just going to be the beneficiary of Demarius Thomas leaving town. So if you feel like he's going to boost his targets, hold on to him. You might get the occasional start. I don't see when you're going to believe in starting Sutton, but he is there. Stash him on your bench. If Keenum starts finding him a lot more, obviously Sanders is going to be the go-to guy. Sutton could be a big beneficiary, though. My big sells are Golden Tate. Listen, I'm okay with Golden Tate going there. He's good for what he does. But fantasy relevancy-wise, Alshon Jeffrey is the guy. Zach Ertz is the guy. These are guys, and like you said earlier, Rick, Nelson Aguilar is the guy to stretch the field. Golden Tate is going to have his place. He's going to get targets. But outside of a PPR league, he's just not going to be that important to you. So Golden Tate, if you can sell him off for some good assets, try to trick somebody into thinking, hey, he just went to Philly. He's going to be much better now. So I think he's going to be worse because Carson Wentz, He's not going to be able to connect like Matt Stafford did. Lastly, sell Jordan Howard. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Tariq Cohen is a mean little motherfucker. And he's going to run up and down the field. He's going to be catching those wheels. He's going to get those swing passes. Jordan Howard is just a thing of the past in Chicago. Trubisky, I think he trusts Cohen more. That's the type of up-tempo offense I believe Chicago's going to try to go with, even though they have a defense that suggests they should go the other way. Jordan Howard will be a relic very soon in Chicago. Move them if you still can. Those are my fourth quarter comeback fantasy buys and sells of the week. We hope that they make you a lot of money. That is, unless, of course, you're playing against me. Last but not least, we have our fourth quarter comeback power rankings. Now, Rick, you haven't been there a little bit, so I am just going to recap very quickly because my power rankings have not changed from last week. I did consider moving the Packers up because of how well they played, but I just couldn't do it because they still picked up the loss. Baltimore, I still like them, but they're more of an honorable mention type of team. So very quickly, we have from five, the Chargers, four, the Pats, three, the Saints, still holding strong, two, the Chiefs, and obviously number one, the undefeated 8-0 Los Angeles Rams. It was a little bit fluky, but they still got it done. Those are some of the more important ones to win. My power rankings, nothing changed. Something will change this week, though. That I can promise you, it's going to be a big week of football. Rick, it's been a little while. Let's hear your rankings. 
My power rankings are as follows. We have the Rams at number one. The Rams are undefeated, 8-0. Got to be number one in the power rankings. At number two, I have the Saints. I have the Saints at number two again. This is the second time I've had the Saints at number two because I think that the Saints are the second best team in the league, and that's what power rankings are about. Okay? Number three, I have the Patriots. The Patriots are the best team in the AFC, in my opinion. So that's why they're number three. I got two NFC teams at one and two. I think that those two teams are the best two teams in the league, followed by the Patriots, who are the best team in the NFC, in the AFC. Excuse me. And number four, I have the Chiefs. I have the Chiefs at four because although they're a great story, Pat Mahomes is playing great, and they're a great football team, they lost to the Patriots. The Patriots are the best team in the AFC. The Patriots are at three. The Chiefs are at four. At number five, we have someone moving up into the top five. And my fifth team on the power rankings is going to be the Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey. They're getting it done. I think their defense is looking not great, but they're doing their job. They're bend but don't break. I like the Panthers. That's my power rankings. Top five. What do you think, Pat? I could not disagree more with Carolina being number five, but that's all right. That's why they're your power rankings and mine are mine. I take the Chargers. I like the Packers. I like the Vikings. I like the Ravens. I like a whole lot of other teams over the Panthers. It's not a hatred toward the Panthers. They're just not there for me. But those are my rankings. Those are yours. Everybody feel free to hit us up with your power rankings on the 4QC Show Twitter, the 4QC Show Facebook page. You can hit me up at Six Pack Pat with the number six. And you can get Rick at... At Rick Red Zone. At Rick Red Zone. That's also where you'll find Rick's picks every week. If you want some money, you want to find a good lock, that's the way to go. We thank you very much for joining us this week on the Fourth Quarter Comeback. Enjoy the games, everybody, this weekend. Now time for the parting shot. I'm going to go enjoy the Bosa Bowl. Let's go, Raiders. Getting number one. Good night, everyone. <laughs>